It's Friday, July the 23rd, and this is your morning briefing from The Economist. Coming up, a rise in American unemployment and no swift end to chip shortage. First, the world in brief. America's Department of Labor said new unemployment claims rose to 419,000 last week, an unexpected jump as the economy rebounds. There were 51,000 more claims than the week before. The number of new job seekers had previously been on a downward trend. Around half of all states have now ditched the more generous benefits offered at the peak of the COVID-19 pandemic. Intel's boss warned that the global semiconductor shortage could last into next year and that supply would not fully recover until 2023. Car makers have been hit particularly hard by a dearth of chips, in part the result of the extra demands created by pandemic homeworking. Pat Gelsinger said consolidation among chip makers would help. Intel is trying to buy Global Foundries, a rival, for $30 billion. A trial conducted in Britain found that leaving a longer gap between doses of the Pfizer COVID-19 vaccine boosts the body's production of antibodies. While three to four weeks between shots is commonly recommended, leaving a space of eight weeks appears to be the, quote, sweet spot, said the lead researcher on the study. America imposed sanctions on Cuban officials it deems responsible for a crackdown on anti-government protesters on July 11th. Hundreds of demonstrators, angry about the economy and the pandemic, were arrested and at least one was killed. The American government also plans to help Cubans in America send remittances home without using Cuban banks. New Zealand suspended its quarantine-free trans-Tasman quote travel bubble for eight weeks while Australia grapples with a spate of COVID-19 outbreaks. Flights from three Australian states had already stopped. All New Zealanders returning home will now be tested and some will be quarantined. Referring to the more infectious Delta variant, New Zealand's Prime Minister warned that, quote, COVID has changed and so must we. American Airlines made $19 million in net income in the second quarter of the year, the first time since the start of the pandemic that it has turned a profit, mainly because of government subsidies from the payroll support program. Southwest, a no-frills competitor, also made a profit in the quarter, again thanks mainly to help from payroll subsidies. YouTube said it has removed 15 videos posted by Jair Bolsonaro, Brazil's president, for spreading misinformation about COVID-19. In one video, a Brazilian doctor recommends two drugs that are unproven as treatments, which goes against YouTube's content policies. Mr. Bolsonaro has repeatedly railed against measures to stop the spread of the virus, including masks, lockdowns and vaccinations. Facebook and Twitter also removed videos of him last year. And fact of the day, 172%, the average amount in real terms, the hosts of the Olympics overspent on the Games since 1960. And now here's today's agenda. Game on. The Tokyo Olympics. After much hand-wringing and a one-year delay, the Tokyo Olympics opened today. Many Japanese would rather they did not. Medical experts worry they will become super-spreader events. COVID-19 cases in Tokyo recently hit a six-month high. More than 90 cases among Olympic officials and athletes have been confirmed. Several competitors have had to drop out. The opening ceremony will unfold without fans, as will virtually all of the sport. Many of the biggest sponsors will shun the ceremony, including Toyota, though its vehicles will still ferry personnel around. Even Abe Shinzo, the former Prime Minister who spearheaded the bid for the Olympics, will stay away. 
the opening has been dogged by other controversies too. This week, the ceremony's creative director resigned after an old video of him making Holocaust jokes came to light. Last week, the ceremony's composer resigned after an old interview in which he boasted about abusing disabled classmates resurfaced. Organisers must hope that the athletes' feats can change the mood. Frozen Out Ben and & Jerry's and Israel This week, Ben & Jerry's, an American ice cream maker, announced that it would stop selling its wares in Jewish settlements in the occupied West Bank from the end of 2022. Such sales, it said, were, quote, inconsistent with its values. The decision was a rare victory for the boycott movement against Israel, which has largely failed to damage the country's economy. The move has, unsurprisingly, caused a flurry of indignation in Israel. The government is concerned that other foreign companies will follow suit. Naftali Bennett, the Prime Minister, has remonstrated with Unilever, the parent company of Ben & Jerry's. He called the ban, quote, anti-Israeli and tried to elicit promises that distribution would not end. But this could contravene the Anglo-Dutch conglomerate's agreement with the ice cream firm, which allows the subsidiary independence over its business decisions. Ben & Jerry's has previously curtailed sales to Hong Kong, Morocco and Russia over human rights concerns. Its morals in this case may be hard to melt. Treading gingerly Russia's rising interest rate Russia, a riddle, mystery and enigma, also poses a paradox. Its foreign policy is adventurous, even reckless, but its macroeconomic policy is cautious and watchful. To ward off inflation, it has already raised interest rates three times this year and will surely do so again today. Elvira Nabulina, the central bank's governor, fears that inflation, which reached 6.5% year-on-year in June, will prove persistent. The pandemic has changed the pattern of spending in the world economy. Firms do not know if this new pattern will last. As a consequence, they may not make sufficient investments required to adapt supply to the changed contours of demand, Ms Nebulina argues. The result is persistent price pressure. Ms Nebulina's worries are shared by a number of other emerging markets. Brazil, Chile, the Czech Republic, Hungary and Mexico have all recently raised rates. Russia's foreign policy has antagonised many countries, but its approach to monetary policy is finally gaining a following. Stuck in the Middle America and Southeast Asia In a game of -of tug-of-war, no one wants to be the rope. Across Southeast Asia, nerves are fraying as America and China vie for influence over the region. Today, Lloyd Austin, America's Defense Secretary, kicks off a tour of the Philippines, Singapore and Vietnam. He wants to, quote, underscore the enduring US commitment to the region, according to the Pentagon. But already, Southeast Asia is deeply intertwined with America's foe. China is the region's biggest trading partner and pumps in more investment than America does. Few dare to go against it. There have been clashes in the South China Sea between China and countries such as the Philippines and Vietnam. But both are careful to maintain diplomatic ties with their regional benefactor, despite rising anti-Chinese sentiment among their citizens. In its championing of a rules-based order, America has plenty to offer. But if Mr Austin asks Southeast Asian leaders to pick a side, he may not like their choice. Footnotes Our Tokyo Bureau Chief on the Olympics 
As the Tokyo Olympics begin, concerns persist over pervasive doping among athletes and rising COVID infections in Japan. Noah Snyder, our Tokyo Bureau Chief, is assessing the Games. Tokyo last hosted the Olympics in 1964 when painful memories of defeat in the Second World War still lingered. A novel, 1964, The Greatest Year in the History of Japan by Roy Tomizawa, offers a rich account of how the successful competition helped to shape the country's recovery. A documentary released soon after, quote, Tokyo Olympiad, captured the intense atmosphere then prevalent. Some optimists had hoped that the 2020 Olympics might help in such a way again, this time in snapping Japan out of the gloom created by decades of economic stagnation and the devastating tsunami and nuclear disaster of 2011. No such luck. Noah found these reports on budget overruns and the cost and benefit analysis of hosting the Olympics damning. The COVID-19 pandemic delayed the 2020 Games by a year and has caused complications more recently. This opinion piece in Nikkei by Hiroyuki Akita, a leading columnist, sheds light on how the government made decisions in advance of them. The New England Journal of Medicine lays out the risks of pushing on. The Asahi Shimbun, a big newspaper and co-sponsor of the Olympics, called for them to be cancelled. For further reading, Noah recommends, quote, Japan through the lens of the Tokyo Olympics for commentary on Japanese politics, society, economy, culture, and how they relate to the games. You can also keep up with Noah on Twitter. Espresso Summer Quiz This week's winners Several hundred of you from all corners of the world handily beat our baristas this week in the first edition of the Summer Quiz. We also received a rich selection of ideas for the theme connecting the answers. Taylor Swift won at the Brit Awards this year. Turkey suffered from, quote, Seasnot. Robin Williams starred in Mork and Mindy, and Anthony Mackie played the Falcon. The theme we had in mind was birds. Congratulations to Nicholas Green of Melbourne, Australia, Ujval Deb of Eindhoven, the Netherlands, and Jerry Puckett of Newman, Georgia, America, who were this week's feathery winners. We'll challenge you to a second round of the quiz throughout next week, beginning on Monday. Finally, here's the quote of the day from Roger Sherman. Government is instituted for those who live under it. That's it from The Economist Morning Briefing, available every weekday and on Saturdays. You can hear interviews and analysis from our journalists, including our current affairs podcast, The Intelligence, by searching for The Economist on your podcast app or asking your smart speaker to play the latest Economist radio podcast. And as a subscriber, you have access to each week's full edition in audio. Just download The Economist app on your mobile device to start listening. Thank you.